Isn't that a fun song to sing with a great message about what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to take time to make sure the light, and it's not this light up here that I stand in front of, but the light of Jesus is sent out into this world. And don't you know this world desperately needs to see the light of Jesus? Amen? Yes, we do. And thank you so much for being here to worship with us on this Sunday morning. I am not Michael Harrelson, who normally does this. I have more hair than he does. But I am much older than him, right? Yeah. But he is aging quickly. Anybody that has twins ages very quickly, yeah. But uh, Mike is back doing some duties uh, with Children's Church. And I just want to say thank you for being here this morning to worship with us and uh, taking time to, to spend time sharing and talking about the gospel of light of Jesus Christ. If today is your first time to join us, either here in person or on, uh, on campus or by, uh, by Facebook Live, or what do we call that? What's it called? Facebook, is that it? Facebook Live? Okay. Uh, by live stream, that's the word I was trying to think of. By live stream, thank you for joining us. I'm complicating things. But if you're here for the very first time, please be sure and, and let us know. You can text it uh, either by uh, just saying hi to that uh, phone number up there, or you can go by the welcome guest station out front and just do the old-fashioned way of paper and pen, pen all right? Let's continue to worship as we uh, share the gospel of Jesus Christ together through worship and song. Great. 
and break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. I hope you recognize all the great things that God's doing for you each and every day. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven. The grave, you free every captain and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh God, you do great salvation for you and me that's what this song simply just reminds us that God he is mighty to save sing along with us this morning Savior, he can move the mountain. 
is fair. 
God, today that because we serve a risen Savior, that God, we have a hope after this life. God, I tell you this morning, if, if we can't sing that and, and recite those words and believe that in our hearts, God, and, and just be grateful, Lord, just do a work in our lives. Lord, I'm just so grateful this morning that I have a hope. God, with all your blessings and favor in this life, if if this was all there was, God, if there wasn't an eternity after this, Lord, I would still be grateful because God, you are so good. But Lord, my gratitude is just overflowing this morning to know that when I breathe my last breath here on this earth because I made a decision as a 15-year-old boy and I said yes to you that God, I will spend eternity singing your praises. Lord, I pray if there's one here that can't say that same thing, that God, today could be their day. Lord, we serve such a, an awesome and amazing Savior. Lord, I just hope that we, we understand that this morning, that we get it. Lord, as we draw near word this morning, speak to our hearts, change our lives and everything that we do, that we would point others to you. Your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. For the past several weeks, we've been focusing on different songs, no doubt, that we have sung in countless times in the past in worship service or maybe at other revival meetings, if you remember that, or any other occasions, different types of hymns and songs that we have uh, appreciated through the years. And I hope that's truly been a blessing by looking at these timeless songs. But more than that, I've hoped that the next time that you heard that particular song or you sang along with it, that you had a new appreciation for the words and what they mean. And there are two more songs that I want to spotlight this week and next that are very popular songs of the Christian faith. In fact, they really rank as number one and number two. Now, I'm just going to give you a chance to give some feedback. Do you know what the number one most favorite, it seems, uh, hymn is of all time? Does anybody want to take a guess as to what that would be? Amazing Grace. You're a smart crowd this morning. Good job. It is Amazing Grace. We're not going to talk about that one this morning. But we are going to talk about it next week, okay? How about number two? Do you know what the second most favorite song is? Don't, well, you're ahead of me. I didn't want you to tell me yet. But you're right. I was going to give you hints in case you didn't know. So much for my hints. I'll go ahead and just tell you some facts about it. Since you already know, at least some of you yelled it out and said, How great thou art. Did you know that Elvis Presley won his first Grammy by singing that great hymn? In fact, he only won three in his life, okay? Now, now get this. The first one he won way back in 1967, 
He, he, he won it by singing that song. And then the second one he, he, he won was also a gospel song. Does anybody know what it is? Nope. White Christmas? Is that a gospel song? Does that, did I hear right? I think I heard the first part of it. No, I wasn't sure. Okay. What? The second one was, He Touched Me. Yeah, He Touched Me. And then the third one. Anybody want to take a stab as to what the third one is? Okay, this would really be interesting. Number three. Do you know what it was? How great thou art. The third Grammy came when he performed it live in front of an audience, which is what live is, and he won a Grammy for that. Isn't that amazing? At two out of the three Grammys that Elvis Presley won was for the song, How Great Thou Art. Uh, that particular song during the great Billy Graham crusade in New York City that crusade, in case you don't know, lasted 16 weeks. It wasn't supposed to, but it just kept going on and on. And Cliff Barrel said the song was so popular that they sang it during that 16 weeks a hundred times because the people just kept asking for it. Incidentally, according to the Billy Graham Library, those 16 weeks, 2,397,000 400 persons came to those revival meetings. And, and then, get this, 61,148 people made decisions giving their life to Christ during those, that great campaign. Isn't that cool to know that? So the song is, How Great Thou Art. Here's something that I never thought of until I started researching the song. And you musicians may, I said something to Kelly about it. He said, well, most songs are that way. Well, I didn't know that. But musically, the verses to, the, to that song, they're only four notes. They're just four notes. I'm not going to demonstrate it for you, but that's amazing to me. And then Kelly says, well, most songs are that way. It's like, well, I've never really counted the notes. Maybe we should do that one Sunday morning. It's like, see how many notes we can cram into one particular verse. When you get to the chorus, the chorus, though, man, it gets more powerful with many more notes in that crescendo that's so popular. Sometime, I tell you what, if you really want to hear a good rendition of it, maybe the, probably the, the best one that's ever out there is Carrie Underwood and Vince Gill, okay? It will send chills up and down your spine, there's just about something about this hymn that seems to get you in touch with God. It's a, it's a, this hymn was, it's, was a, really didn't start out as being a hymn. It started as a Swedish traditional melody of a poem written by Carl Gustav Boberg in Sweden in 1885. Boberg's inspiration for How Great Thou Art came when he was walking home from church one day and got caught in a thunderstorm, and he almost died from it. 
And he wa- then watched as the storm began to pass by and the sun came out and, and it shone across the waters of the bay. And then the, as he was watching all of this, he began to hear the birds in a thrash across the bay, like that, that sound traveled across. And he could hear that. And all of a sudden it just started causing him to, to be in awe. It says that he fell on his knees in humble adoration of the mighty God and reflected upon God and his awesome power. He was inspired to write this poem about it, not the song, because he had witnessed what God was able to do. And he submitted this poem called, O Store Good, or O Mighty God, uh, to the local newspaper, and they published it, and then he pretty much forgot about it. Years later, Boberg attended a meeting and was surprised to hear his poem being sung to this old Swedish melody. And then in the early 1920s, there were missionaries who were English, Stuart K. Hine and his wife. They, they left their home country of, 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 British Columbia, of the England and went to Poland. And there they learned that there was a Russian version of Boberg's poem and so it was later Hine decided that he would start rewriting the verses as an events inspired him so it's not like the that uh, Hine sat down and he wrote all these verses the four verses we're going to look at at the same time it was as events were happening in his life and uh, so they would tell that he would write it Here's an interesting story that the Gideons, Gideons International, says about this great hymn. One of the first people to introduce it to the United States, uh, to the English-speaking people here, uh, this particular man, not one of these others I've talked about, had a troubled life. His name was Tim Spencer, and he was known to sing about cigarettes, whiskey, and wild women. Okay, sounds like a country song, right? That's what he did. He was a founder and a member of the famous group Sons of the Pioneers and sang with Roy Rogers. You know Roy Rogers sang with that. Do you know Roy Rogers is not his real name? It's what? You know what? You win the prize today. That's amazing. Leonard Sly. Man, good job. That, but uh, he sang with them. Fortunately, however, this, this man who lived this unsavory life of smoking, drinking, and other rough behaviors had a wife that was at home praying for him. She was a Christian. Her name was Velma. And she was always praying for him while he was on the road. And one day while Tim was staying in, in a hotel in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, he read a letter from his wife, and she made reference to a biblical passage. So he grabs the Gideon Bible. Jamil, there you go. He grabs the Gideon Bible that's there in the hotel room, and he begins to read the verse of Scripture. And suddenly, he knew that he needed a life change from all that uh, smoking, whiskey, and wild women. And the next thing he did was he prayed and surrendered his life to the Lord. 
And a few years later, he puts together a gospel music publishing company called Mana Music. And if you, if you look that particular company up, they had very close ties with the Billy Graham Association and people that were involved in that. One day, his son brought home a, a song from a student missionary conference, and the song happened to be that English version of How Great Thou Art, not known well to the United States at that time. And upon knowing, uh, he found out that the author, uh, who the author was, and Spencer uh, wasted no time. And he contacts Stuart Hine, who had put those words together, and he, um, he, he gets in touch with him, and he ends up, Man of Music ends up owning the rights to that song. So this, this, uh, this particular hymn uh, then would be picked up because of how the Man of Music published it to, with the Billy Graham Association. And, and uh, it, it's amazing how God then used George Belfchay to sing that to millions and millions of people uh, across the world and how it's touched lives. This song certainly has touched my life. Here's the thing about songs of praise and worship. The words and music written by authors and songwriters, they seem to take on a different meaning for everyday people like you and me when we go through certain of life's situations and circumstances and experiences. You might sing a particular song throughout your life and then something happens to you and suddenly those familiar words that you've been so accustomed to singing and you haven't given much thought to, all of a sudden they become real and they take on new meaning. You might even start singing in the car as you're driving or working around the house because it has become a song, song that just seems to hold you and lift you up at just the right time. Anybody ever experienced that? Sure you have. How Great Thou Art is one of those songs for me. Whenever we sing this song, my mind immediately goes back to my dad's funeral service. Now, like the song last week and the songs before that, how Great They Are is often sung at funerals, as it was at my dad's. When in that standing room only setting in our old sanctuary, more than 1,800 people st stood to sing that beautiful old hymn. And I can still hear how we lifted our voices in a way that I had never heard before, it seemed like in that old sanctuary, on that day of dad's funeral. It was as if I was getting a glimpse of heaven. Such a sense of awe of God. The psalmist David wrote about a time in his life when he was in awe of God. He wrote in Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. 
I like how the contemporary English version says it. You are wonderful, Lord, and you deserve all praise because you are much greater than anyone can understand. We cannot get the concept. We can't get our minds wrapped around how, how awesome God is. But I wonder, is this their typical view of God? Do we really believe that God is great and worthy of praise? We sing about it. If you're like me, when we get to the chorus, we just let it rip. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. But do we really believe it? Or maybe a better question to ask is, do we live like we believe it? I think sometimes we do. But I think more times than not, we believe but we don't live like it and many people we have replaced the awesome wonder of God with the awesome wonder of self Lifeway just published this week an article about modern day idols let, let me read a little bit from this article that Marissa Postel start, writes she says, idols don't always come in the form of carved statues or reside in places of worship. Many pastors believe modern-day idols can, begin, been, can, be, can be benign, looking de desires with uh, significant influence on people in their congregations. According to a study by LifeWay Research, more than half of U.S. Protestant pastors believe listen to this, comfort, and they write it at 67%, control or security at 56%, money at 55%, and approval at 51 are idols that have significant influence on their congregations. When asked to choose the potential item, idol with the most sway over people in their churches, pastors again point to comfort and control or security above all others. He goes on, she goes on to write, it's easy to think that those in Christian churches have chosen their God and are faithful to him. However, pastors quickly acknowledge how divided their congregation's allegiances are, can be. These gods don't have a physical shrine, but they compete for the hearts of Christians. Isn't that right? It's dead on accurate of what's happening in our churches. These Protestant pastors, not describing the secular society, but describing their own church congregations. So as I was thinking about where our culture is and some where some in the church are, are I thought I would try my hand at some songwriting. And I'll tell you right now, right now it's not pretty. And it reeks of selfless, selfishness. But here's what might be a more accurate version in today's time of How Great Thou Art by some. I'm going I'm to try to even sing it. Let's see if I can do it. O oh Lord, myself, when I at me do wonder, consider all the things thy hands acquired. I am the star. I hear my own great thunder, 
my power throughout the Twitter world displayed. Then sings my praise, I'm high, myself is God to me. How great I am, how great I am. Then sings my praise, myself is God to me. How great I am. I can't reach the highest one. <laughs> Enough of it, right? It's pretty bad, really. But is that not accurate? Let me ask it again. Is that not accurate? Now I'm going to be talking like this all day. So that kind of attitude of replacing God with some idol ain't very pretty. But it's prevalent in today's time. No, this is much better, and I won't sing it to you. Oh, Lord my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And, and then the chorus goes, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, God. Then sings my soul. I mean, it's just not enough to say it once. He had to say it twice. My Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Do we live in a sense of awe before God? Have you ever... At a time in your life where something has changed, where maybe you used to be excited about it, and then over time it just became part of routine of every day, and it was no longer all that exciting for you. What once you just had a great sense of enjoyment and all, something truly wonderful. And you get so used to it, and you're less and less excited over it. It's possible for this to happen in our relationship with God. I mean, think back when you first became a Christian, very likely you couldn't get enough of God. You wanted to know all about Him. You wanted to be at church. You wanted to find out as much as you could about God. And then as time happened, you just got into a routine and that excitement began to fade away and you begin to lose that sense of awe of who God is. In Hebrews 12, we're told the why, the who, and the how of how believers are to worship. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom... That cannot be shaken. Do you get it? What we get? This kingdom cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with what? Watch this. With reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. 
If we're truly going to worship God with our lives, it needs to be with what this verse says, reverence and awe. What is awe? Awe is fear mingled with reverence and wonder. It's like saying this very, having this very strong feeling of, of, of this, this, this wonder, this, this, this reverence, this fear caused by something that's much greater than us, by something that's grand and powerful. And I ask myself, am I worshiping an awesome wonder? I have a reverence for the Lord, but sometimes I confess I don't have that sense of awe and wonder. And I said, I would venture to say you're probably a lot like me. We have lost our sense of awe of God. That scripture tells us that we're supposed to worship Him and how we're to worship Him. What our minds need to be focused on is who God is and how awesome He really is. Instead of focusing on what we think we are, we're to focus on who He is. So how do we go about this? Well, there are many ways, and I'm just going to list a few. First is to really see God as He is. See Him as He really is. Who is He? He's our Creator. Those words that go back to that hymn that says, Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. And then he says, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe. Displayed, Job 25.2 says, Dominion and all belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Psalm 33, 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord and let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. One of the reasons that we should be in awe of God is because of who He is. He is the Creator, God, in spite of what science wants to try to teach us, in spite of what secular, uh, the secular world wants to try to tell us. God made all of creation. He goes beyond that. He sustains it all of creation and when we stop and we think about it it is absolutely unbelievable and all inspiring of what God has done problem is is we often think about it because we live here and it becomes too commonplace for us so just for another second I want to focus refocus on this place that God made and created for our benefit, this universe, the vastness of the universe. Out of all the universe, God chose this place to put us on. 
If that doesn't impress you, then just take a moment and look at your neighbor, person sitting beside you. Go ahead and do it. Look at the person next to you. You stop and think about it. That really ought to impress you. Know why you laugh? Maybe you were looking the wrong direction. I don't know. <laughs> really and truly, the person that's sitting beside you ought to impress you. Why? Is because of their very body, the body, the intricacies of design of the human body. It's stated that we have 30 to 100 million, trillion cells in our body that work independently, yet most work in coordination with other cells. I've learned a whole lot about my heart over this past year. And the more I've learned, the more I have been amazed at God's design of our hearts. It's only been in my lifetime that a doctor could open up my chest separate my sternum, stop my heart from beating, slice open both the two chambers of my heart, remove my human valves that were there, and put in new ones made from a cow, of all things. Moo. That's only happened in my lifetime. Yet the design of my heart is just like the heart he designed when he created Adam thousands of years ago, just by speaking it into existence. Him goes on and says, I see the stars. Have you ever tried to count the stars? It's impossible. In my years as being a school principal, I used to take fifth grade students to land between the lakes. And if the skies were clear, we would take night hikes with a simple pair of binoculars that I would take, and we were out of the glare of the street lights. Many of the kids had never been in darkness of that kind because they'd never really been outside the city. And I remember the oohs and the ahs when they would look at the vastness of space and see all the stars for the very first time. It was amazing. Astronomers estimate that there are 100,000 million stars just in the Milky Way alone. Outside of that, there are millions upon millions of other galaxies also. Genesis 1.16 says, And God made all of this, and he made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the, the night. He made the stars also. He, it's almost like he's dealing with the sun. He's dealing with the moon. Oh, and by the way, he made the stars. But what if he was to create the billions of stars in the universe? You ever, don't you... These last few weeks, did you slip outside when there was one of these storms that came up, one of these summer storms, a thunderstorm? The rains were accomplished by thunder and lightning. I love to watch storms. I love to go out there and sit on my porch and, and view the lightning and listen to the thunder. Have you ever thought about how powerful the lightning is? 
When a lightning bolt is discharged, it travels at 270,000 miles per hour. And the air surrounding it heats up to 54,000 degrees Fahrenheit, five times as hot as the surface of the sun. And all that energy travels along a path that's about the, the width of a thumb, maybe one or two inches. And you can hear the thunder up to 15 miles away. You can see lightning up to 100 miles away. We've all felt the shock wave of thunder and heard it shake the house and rattle the contents. The song says, His power is displayed throughout the universe. It's found in nature. Jesus himself is the one who can control all of this. You remember the New Testament story? Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, 27. He and his disciples are out on the lake, and a storm comes up. He settles it down, and he says, he replied, You a little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the wave, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of men is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. That's my God. And that shows how in control God is. Don't tell me that God isn't awesome. Then verse 2, it goes like this. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. You know, you don't have to go far to experience God's, the beauty of God's creation. I, I took a, this photo just this past week. Isn't that beautiful? In my backyard. Isn't that just incredible? I mean, really and truly, I, I don't want you just to focus on the butterfly or the beautiful flower here, but but can you see the, I don't know what you call the hair, I'll call it hair, on the stalks of the plants? The intricacy of this is incredible. Right where we are. Or have you ever looked at a flower really closely? Again, just in my backyard. I worked hard to plant all these flowers. No, these are lens flowers. I'd mow them down. <laughs> or we'd eat them. Eee. She'd be out there with a knife chasing me around. <laughs> or just drive across the state of Tennessee and look at the rolling hills. If we just slow down, quieten down, and listen, we would discover the woods the forest glades. You hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. You might even see the brook and feel a gentle breeze. God did this. He took pleasure in creating this tranquility for you and me. Genesis goes all the way back to there, it says. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed 
The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. We just keep in mind, keep our minds focused on the awesomeness of who God is as creator and recognize the awesomeness of his creation on a daily basis. Then I think we go a, a long way in maintaining and having an awe-inspiring view of God. So often in our world, we need to think we need to give up beauty and creativity for functionality, but not so with nature. Our world not only functions orderly, but the beauty of what God has created is amazing. And then verse 3 goes like this. He wrote this at a different time. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burdens gladly bearing. He bled and died to take away my sin. Of all the things that God created, his most prized possession was mankind, me, and you. He loves me, and he loves us most of all. He proved it by giving his son. As the writer says, his son not sparing sent him to die. When you stop and think about that, really, the words are very accurate. I scarce can take it in. I can't even imagine why he did this for me. The evils of today's society, all the nastiness you could ever imagine, be guilty of, all these sins, God sent his son to the cross and he goes to this, to gladly bear it. Not gladly as, oh, oh, goody, I get to go to the cross. But gladly as in Jesus willingly goes to the cross. God knew what the pain would be of the cross. Not only for his son, but for himself also. Our sin certainly causes God pain. And the God, the Father, and God, the Son, will willingly bore our sin and died to take it away. So I think it's incumbent that we have this proper view of ourselves as sinners to have a proper view of God and His love for us. Listen to what Timothy, Paul says in 1 Timothy here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 
But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And all the church says, amen. Did you get this? Paul recognizes what a sinner he is. And so are we. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, but, he bled and died to take away my sin. To take it away. How far away? Well, the Bible tells us that. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. East and west, they'll never meet. It's symbolic, a symbolic portrayal of God's forgiveness. And when he forgives sin, he separates it from us. He doesn't even remember that we did it. You might be able to remember your past sins, but God doesn't. He's taken away my sin. And for that, we can really say, how great thou art. Jesus takes away the sin of the world. And then verse 4 goes like this. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation. What's the next line say? And take me home. With joy shall fill my heart. We used to have a worship leader. He would sing this song. It was one of his trademark songs. And we'd get to this verse. He'd always seem to do this, and we'd sort of laugh about it. I still can kind of get tickled about it. He'd say, Then I shall bow. He'd do it almost every time. But you know what? That might be the most proper posture before God. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. And it just seems like everywhere I've turned this past week, the last few weeks, there's been death. I personally attended three funerals this past week and spoke in one of them. Every one of those funerals that I attended have been close to me times past one of them was a husband of one of our former teachers in the academy Randy Tobit 
Randy went on countless mission trips into Uganda. And with his church, they built what I, if I recall, nearly 3,000 different churches across that country. It's amazing. Randy, about three years ago, got a brain tumor. He passed away with it. I can't help but think that when he got to heaven, he probably said, my God, how great thou art. Another funeral that I attended on Tuesday, no doubt, was very instrumental in me becoming pastor of our church. Dr. James Porch was at one time a very close friend of mine, a mentor. He's a for, he was a former executive director of the Tennessee Baptist Convention. I've heard him preach many times. He's preached in our pulpit at our old church building, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, no doubt. When he left this world, I can't help but think that he went before God and said, My God, how great thou art. On Thursday, we had the funeral service of our former mayor of Nolansville here in our church building, Jimmy Alexander. Jimmy Alexander did a lot of good things. A lot of people didn't like some of the things, and that's what you get with politics, but he did a lot of good things for the town of Nolansville. His trademark, there are trademark projects that are here because of what he did. One of those happened this morning. Maybe you had difficulty getting to church this morning because there was a kids' marathon that brought 2,000 children to this community. And Jimmy Alexander gave his okay and his support behind doing that. Countless other things. But because of Jimmy Alexander's faith, all those projects that he did here, they really didn't mean a thing when he got to heaven. But I can't help but think as he looked at what a real true city looks like. And he must have dropped down to his knees and said, My God, how great thou art. Remember the English missionary Stuart Hine and his wife? They've been ministering in Poland, Ukraine, and Romania. This is before the World War II. He's the one who rewrote the original poem and set it to music. He had served as a missionary in those countries when World War II was breaking out they were forced to return to England and as the story is told after the war after questioning God as to why their ministry to Eastern Europeans was curtailed the Hines were amazed to discover that millions of displaced people from Eastern Europe were streaming into England and rather than the Hines family having to go to where they were and what he found out is they were coming to him so he could carry out his ministry. 
One man to whom they were ministering to told an amazing story. He had been separated from his wife at the very end of the war and had not seen her since. And at the time they were separated, his wife was a Christian, but this man was not. But he had since been converted. His deep desire was to find his wife so that they could at least share their faith together. But he told the hinds that he did not think he would ever see his wife on earth again. Instead, he was longing for the day when they would meet in heaven and could share life eternal there. That became the inspiration for the last verse. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation to take me home. Home's looking better all the time, isn't it? Have you ever noticed that when an artist or a choir or a worship team sings the last verse, it begins to be sung with greater emphasis? It's because of what we have to look forward to. 1 Thessalonians describes this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet him, the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. I want to end our service with a little different way this morning. I want the worship team to come and I want them to lead us in this great hymn. And maybe because of this message, when we sing these words, that they have a different meaning to you. And that we can really sing out from our soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. Would you stand and would you sing along with the worship team? And if you've got some business you need to do in the altar this morning during the song, anyone just need prayer or prayer with me or prayer for yourself, or you just want to stand there in all of God and sing, Right now, let's just focus on how awesome God is as we sing.
that as we leave this place in a few minutes that we'll take that song 
as we look at nature, or maybe when we sit down and we look through your word and we read some verses, maybe when our mind goes back with a view of the cross and our picture there that we just stop and say, How great, how great you are, God. And we praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. And you guys are singing great this morning. A couple of the things I just want to let you know about. Ladies Bible study is starting this coming week. And so, uh, ladies, if you have not already made plans to be a part of that Bible study, that starts this week. I would encourage you to uh, see Lynn. She can give you some information about that. And then uh, this coming week, we are excited. Our children's ministry and our student ministry both are having back-to-school bashes, parties, uh, just a way to uh, get us kicked off in a really great way. I had somebody say... um, we, we had a really great time at the Gordons last week. Thank you guys for hosting us for our pool party uh, that the students canceled Bible study. Well, I can tell you that um, our back-to-school bash and our pool party, those things are, are what it's all about. It's connecting and getting our friends plugged in and um, letting them know that there's a, there's a God who has an awesome plan for their life. So, uh, students, I encourage you to uh, make sure to invite your friends and be a part of that this week. Stand with us as we close in worship. Thank you for being here. I can promise you God's honored by your presence this morning. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are an awesome God. Lord, we thank you that you are a great God. Lord, you're great even when we're not so great. But God, until that day that you call us home, Lord, let us strive to live life in the likeness of of you and the example that you sent through your son Jesus and everything that we do that we draw others to you and it's in his name we pray this morning amen have a great week hi good morning this is Kelly I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you you know what we would love to hear from you if you're here today and you made a decision for Christ or maybe you just have a simple prayer request We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and He wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.